0: And energetic health radio, and thank you so much for listening. I'm your host, Dr. Henry Ely, and it's such an honor and a pleasure to be here with you today. I hope you are having a beautiful day or a beautiful evening wherever you may be and doing whatever you may be doing. You know, each show we start with gratitude. And uh today I am grateful for one of my um patients' mothers <laughs> who has just was on me and on me and on me about long COVID. I'm going to tell you point blank. When it first came out, I was not a, I should say when, when information on it first started coming out, I wasn't a believer in it, but I wasn't a believer in it, not because I, I didn't think it was possible. I just felt that it was being overstated and i will say we have very three very important words now the three most powerful words that we have are i love you right but we have three other powerful words and that's i don't know and it's something i teach my students it's i love you teaches you to you know work in a state of love right it's it, you're announcing the world that i work from a place of love love defines me not hatred, not anger, not all the the negative, you know, stuff that that's out there in the world, but love defines me. But when you say I don't know, and you have the courage and conviction to say I don't know, what you're saying is I also believe in and practice integrity. And a part of believing in and practicing integrity and in, is being objective. And objective is all about, you know, admitting your own biases, which I do to the best of my ability and also about retaining the right here's the key retaining the right to change your mind in the presence of new information so i had uh my uh, a patient's mom just she was on me and she would be on me and she'd send me all this stuff about long covid and i was like yeah 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 but ultimately i was like you know what there's there's something here i'm 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 missing something i'm being too dismissive of this and you know, I, I had COVID. I can attest to it took a little bit longer to get over it. It was a little bit rougher than I was ever accustomed to. It was a it's a bioweapon, you know, it's a bioweapon we haven't felt before. So, of course, the first experience of it it is going to be dramatic and bad um, for, I shouldn't say bad in the sense of like severe, but it's going to be different and it's going to be hard. Thankfully, I've been priming my immune system. For a very long time, we're going to talk today a lot about priming the immune system and everything, because I am still today of the professional opinion that long COVID is a real thing. And we're going to talk about it a little bit today, but not only is it a, a real thing, we have to get into the why. Why is it a real thing? It's a real thing, in my opinion, because we still haven't addressed the underlying cause of it. Not the underlying factors that that play into it being a long experience and that is severe nutrient deficiency okay so i'm going to i'm going to go over some stuff with you today i want to share what we've learned so far about it some ideas on testing some ideas on nutrients that you can discuss with your qualified medical professionals you can explore for yourself on this, if you or a loved one is is dealing with long COVID, but it's something we definitely have to be talking about now. To talk about it appropriately, and thank you to my patient. I'm going to leave her nameless because I don't want to identify um, her, her daughter, um, uh, or son, uh, her child, um, in in doing what we're doing. Uh, but I. Um, because I'm super big, folks. One of the things that's really gotten under my skin the last couple of years is the abject loss of privacy. You know, so when I see medical professionals talking about this patient, is a, I'm like, you know, you're violating your your license, right? Every time you talk about a patient and can identify them without their approval, you're violating. It's just not the place for doctors to do. If a patient wants to talk about what's going on with them, go right ahead, knock yourself out. You can share anything you want. But my job is to protect your privacy. In addition to becoming obsolete in your life. I, I just uh, did a wonderful interview uh, with uh, Dr. Carrie Madeday and uh, oh, she's so great. And you know, we were talking about that. Our, our job as doctors is to become obsolete is to become not needed in your life, not to for you to be a lifelong client, a lifelong patient of ours. That's ridiculous. I failed if that's the case. Um, so getting back on topic long COVID, um, I want to set the stage here for you, if I can, and we're going to use, we're going to break this down in three segments. The first time, this first part, we're going to be talking about some stats and some definitions on it and things like that. Um, you know, I think we're still learning a lot about this, and I do think it's very difficult to distinguish an actual Real long COVID situation from someone who might think or feel like they have a long COVID situation, when it might be more of adrenal fatigue, it might be more of a thyroid issue, it might be more of severe um, fatigue based upon all of us are experiencing post traumatic stress disorder. Everyone. If you think after the last couple of years with all we've been through, we aren't greatly affected psychologically and now physically. By the effects, the emotional impacts of what we've all been through, then you need to really take a second, take your shoes off, go outside, do a little earthing, walk in the grass, walk in the sand, you know, get connected to mother nature and feel the true vibe and speed we're supposed to be at. Case in point, I took the doggies out to the park last night. They're running around, ripping around, you know, we're playing with the ball and everything. And it's a beautiful, almost full moon. And I had finally a moment after a really crazy last six weeks where I could finally take a breath and go, oh, this is the first moment where I haven't been under the gun, tremendous stress, got to get stuff done, got to get things taken care You know what I'm talking about, folks? Well, the, that going on for years Takes its toll on the physical body. That's where post traumatic stress disorder really comes. It's just nerve exhaustion. The nerves are firing nonstop. They really haven't had a good rest. So, when we look at this as it pertains to long haul, you know, the first thing we got to be able to do is distinguish long haul COVID from an actual infection, from a reinfection, or from just physical exhaustion, because all of these things could. Could be indicative of it, and and I think we now know enough about testing for this to kind of determine what's going on. So I want to read something from you from a really cool um, Telegram channel. This comes from COVID nineteen up, and there's some really cool ones out there. Uh, I you know I really love Green Med Info. I'm always going to give a shout out to Sayer G and the work he's doing. Always love uh, Stand for Health Freedom and the work that. uh, uh, Leah Wilson is doing, but there's some others that have cropped up that I really go to because they stay on top of what's happening. COVID, you know, uh, uh, Dr. Peter McCullough's C-19 group is fantastic. You know, uh, if you want to check some stuff out there, um, but the, let's see, the, um, is it the Vigilant Foxed, um, is really, really good. Uh, COVID-1984 is really, really good. And this one right here, COVID-19 up. So that's COVID-19 UP. COVID-19 up is really good. So this comes from them. SARS-CoV-2 spike proteins detected in blood of long COVID sufferers up to a year after original infection. Okay, Now, I'm going to qualify this by saying to you, with what we know about the genetic modification shots, This takes on an added effect here because a person can be producing spike protein, all right, indefinitely after they've gotten the shots. And that's what I'm saying. The water we're looking through is as clear as mud right now. So we got to start figuring out how can we solve this problem. So w- w- that's what I'm I'm doing in today's show because I want you if you're feeling like this might be long covid, I want you to be able to know what kind of testing you can do to kind of start distinguishing how can we separate all these different things that kind of feel the same or we're concerned might feel the same into something that makes sense because once we get to the diagnosis, then the treatment starts to open up. But I want to implore you today that my Professional opinion is this still, long COVID is still indicative of severe, unaddressed nutrient deficiencies. And we're going to talk about that in the next segment. So, this comes from COVID 19 up says, uh, Long COVID presents as a wide range of mysterious symptoms. I might need to get my readers on here, folks. <laughs> uh, everything from persistent chest pains to rashes to pins and needles to neurologic issues to chronic fatigue and brain fog. Doctors can diagnose long covid by speaking to their patients about the experiences before and after an initial SARS-CoV-2 infection, but health authorities still haven't pinned down what causes the condition or how to treat it. Part of the difficulty is that there isn't yet a way to measure biologic signals of long covid in the body. We're going I'm going to disagree with that in a second, but I know where they're going. With this. And I think this was from a paper. So this is just COVID-19 up. This isn't them making this statement. This is them sharing some stuff that was recently published. This is what they share that was published. Now scientists may have found a marker for the condition a piece of SARS-CoV-2 floating around in the blood of some long COVID sufferers well after their initial infection, the spike protein. Now, this is where we're going to have a very interesting conversation in a second. In a preprint paper uploaded to uh, MedRxiv in June, scientists reported detecting spike proteins of SARS-CoV-2 in blood samples From some long COVID sufferers up to a year after their original infection, the body isn't clearing it. Why isn't the body clearing it? Severe nutrient deficiency, folks. During an initial SARS-CoV-2 infection, spike protein typically breaks off into smaller pieces when it penetrates human cells. But the spike proteins observed in this study were still uh, in one piece. Now, why does it break off? It doesn't just break off. It's That's enzymes within the body, specifically within the cells, breaking down the spike protein, okay? So if it's still intact, that means those enzymes haven't broken it down. So that gives us a first clue into what's going on with long-haul syndrome. Our main hypothesis is that the spike protein is not causing the symptoms, Strongly disagree with that assertion. That's preposterous. We know that the spike protein in and of itself is enough to injure the cell and to injure the uh, inner lining of the blood vessels. But it's just a marker that is released because you still have infection in some cells with SARS-CoV-2, say study co-author Zoe Swank, a research scientist at Brigham uh, and Women's Hospital in Boston. Yeah. Yeah. Her interpretation of that data is wrong. And I don't know that she's aware of the um, study that was published in April 21, showing that the spike protein in and of itself was enough to cause damage. And that study was performed by the Salk Institute and some other, I think uh, University of California, San Diego, um, put that one together. Um, So here's the, here's the deal. Good information here. What are they saying? They're saying the spike protein can still be circulating in the bloodstream, up to a year later, right? So that's that's a big deal. Well, let's start talking about long COVID and testing for it and distinguishing it, right? So you think you have long COVID. The first thing that we have to do is determine whether or not you've gotten any of these genetic modification shots, why? Because if you've gotten a genetic modification shot, the mRNA platform may have, and likely has by this point, Reverse transcribed. It reverse transcribed and turned itself from, from RNA, which can't exist inside of the nucleus of the cell, into DNA, which can now exist inside the nucleus of the cell. Once it reverse transcribes, you are officially genetically modified at the moment that DNA, that new, that mRNA turned into DNA, uploads into your DNA. That's the moment you would be genetically modified if you've gotten the shots. The challenge with that is this. If that reverse transcribed DNA sequence has uploaded into a person's DNA, a person's genome, a person's chromosome, they're all kind of one in the same synonymous then what happens is now that person can be producing spike protein indefinitely. And this is the big problem I had with these shots from a theoretical perspective. My question to all these people who are like, oh, this is the greatest thing, this new this new technology, it's going to be the next thing that really saves us was, where's the off switch? If this thing reverse transcribes and becomes a part of you, which we now, through the Lund study from Sweden in February of 2022, confirm that this happens. If that has now reverse transcribed from mRNA to DNA and you are now genetically modified because it uploaded into your DNA, then there's no off switch. It's kind of like the herpes virus. You know, when does it when does it rear its ugly head and then become a lesion on the genitalia or on your lips? When you're under stress. Right? So it can reproduce itself when at Pretty, pretty much, whenever your immune system is depleted and weak. So now, if you've been under stress for two years, when is your immune system depleted and weak every day? If you're nutrient deficient, on top of that, when is your immune system depleted and weak every day? So what if that mRNA reverse transcribed and uploaded into your DNA? When can the spike protein? That's the code, that DNA code that got uploaded. It's coding for the spike protein. When can that be produced? All the time. And when we know the spike protein is enough in itself to injure the cell, injure organelles within the cell like mitochondria, injure entire blood vessels because the spike protein can be released by the cell that's making it and start injuring the inner lining of your blood vessels. Well, now your body, if you've, been, if you've been genetically modified, your body is making the protein that injures the body. That's why I get so upset when people call it gene therapy. They're like, well, it's not a vaccine. It's really gene therapy. No, it's not even gene therapy. You can't call something that injures a cell, that injures the body therapeutic. Okay, it's a bioweapon. Call it what it is. Okay, it's not misinformation. They're lying. Call them what they are liars. We have to stop being cutesy with language and being very direct with language. This is a bioweapon. It is not a vaccine. It is not a therapeutic intervention. It is a bioweapon. Weapons kill. That's what these shots are doing. They are killing people. Call them what they are. Have the courage to do that. So the first thing we have to do is distinguish whether or not a person's got the shot because a person could be making protein. Now, in that, a spike protein. So in that case, if a person's gotten the shot, in my opinion, I would not qualify them to be considered for long COVID. I would say this is likely a prolonged adverse event that you're experiencing as a result of the shot. Does that Hopefully that makes sense, right? So in order for a person to be considered for long COVID, they must be unvaccinated, not gotten one shot and didn't get the second one or whatever, you know, not like the CDC gets cutesy with language, but actually never gotten an mRNA shot, okay? Never got one of the EUA, the experimental shots. If you didn't get one of the experimental shots, now we can start assessing for long covid. How do we do that? Well, the first thing we need to make sure is that there is no virus in your bloodstream. So we're not going to be able to use PCR testing, which should never be used anyway. It's a garbage test, it doesn't work, it's not accurate. We've known that since day 1. Okay? Mike Eden did a beautiful job, okay, in his response way back in 2020 about this. He's been warning us for a long time about what's going on. But there is an EUA test that is approved. It's called a viral load test. And a viral load test is where you can draw the blood and you can see, Are there any? is there any SARS-CoV-2 in the bloodstream? Well, if there's no SARS-CoV-2 in the bloodstream, what does that tell us? It tells us that if you are experiencing symptoms, this may be a result of long COVID. So now we have one marker, one biomarker in there. If SARS-CoV-2 is present in the bloodstream, you're not, it's, it's not long COVID. You're actually currently infected. You see what I mean? See how we have to, we have to get the we have to filter this water and make it less muddy. So let's recap. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna take you through this real slow, folks. Okay. The only people who should be able to be qualified for long haul or long COVID are people who are completely unvaccinated, never got the shot. Number two, they have to have symptoms. Number three, we described what those were. Number three, they have to, it has to be proven with a blood draw that they have no SARS-CoV-2 in their bloodstream. Now, you prove those things and a person's still symptomatic, then we can start looking for spike protein and say, okay, is there spike protein left over? But I don't really know that there's a test that's available to identify just spike protein. So this is where we have to go to something else, and that's where D-dimer comes in. Now, you probably heard D-dimer with Dr. Chetty and from South Africa and his great work. D-dimer is going to measure whether or not microclots, in this case, are breaking down. Microclots, small clots that might block your capillary beds, your small blood vessels, because that would explain shortness of breath, chest pain, all these weird symptoms, numbness, tingling, you know, and things like that. Small little blood clots, okay? And that's what we think is going on. And we and now we can test for it. Because if you haven't gotten the shot, let me let me let's go through this again. If you haven't gotten any shots, if you are having symptoms, if it's confirmed there confirmed there are no viral, there's no SARS-CoV-2 virus in your blood, and your D-dimer is elevated, that starts giving us a pretty clear indication that you are in what would be called long considered long-haul syndrome or long COVID. Now, long-haul or long COVID syndrome is defined as patients exhibiting symptoms consistent with COVID for longer than two weeks following recovery, but confirmed to have no presence of SARS-CoV-2 virus circulating in their bloodstream. You see what I mean? It's not enough for us to guess about this. If you feel like you have long COVID, what do you need to do? You need to get some blood work done. Confirm that there's no SARS-CoV-2 virus in the bloodstream. Confirm your D-dimer levels and go so far as to confirm a couple other things. We need you to confirm your vitamin D levels. They need to be at 50 nanograms per milliliter or higher. We're going to talk about that after the break. Get an AM cortisol so that you can check what your cortisol levels are for your adrenal health. Get a full thyroid panel, all right? I'm not talking about just TSH. I'm talking about T3, free T3, free T4, and also total T4 plus T- TSH. Might as well get the autoantibodies as well for it. And then the last thing, you know, in terms of, uh, of, of all this testing, make sure that if you can afford it, you've checked for delayed food allergens. Okay, IgG delayed food allergens, because we want to make sure that it's not something as simple as a food that we could pull out that's helping to create some of these symptoms. All right, you get that established. And now what you have is a pretty clear understanding with basic labs of whether or not a person is experiencing long COVID or not. You can really hone in. But again, remember what I said I would not qualify someone who has gotten. the experimental shots for an evaluation of long COVID at this time. Why? Because they very well, that person who got the shots very well may be experiencing a prolonged adverse event from the shots. That person very well may be experiencing their body going through the mRNA reverse transcribed in a DNA And now, because it's reverse transcribed, it uploaded into their DNA, and now they're producing spike protein indefinitely, okay? And we know spike protein, whether it's something that the body is making because the DNA has uploaded, or whether it's from infection, it doesn't matter. The spike protein is what injures the body, and that has been proven as of April 2021 by the Salk Institute and University of California, San Diego, okay? So when we come back right after these messages, we're going to now jump into the next start, which is we tar- start talking again about the importance of taking care of underlying nutrient deficiencies. This is very, very key for folks dealing with long haul. All right, with dealing with long COVID. I'm going to start just calling it long COVID. That's what most people are calling it now. But what I want to point out is that the body is designed to heal. If it's not resolving microclotting from long COVID, if it's not uh, breaking down the spike protein, that tells us things. And that's where we're going to pick up right after these messages with some cool information that you're not going to want to miss. All right, folks, I'll be right back with more Energetic Health Radio and more on long COVID right after these messages. Energetic Health Radio is brought to you by the Energetic Health Institute, an amazing school for amazing people just like you. If you are interested in taking control of your health, taking control of your life, making sure that people who do not have your best interests at heart no longer have control over the most important thing, your health. And check us out, EnergeticHealthInstitute.org. Once again, that's energetichealthinstitute.org. We have great programs on holistic nutrition, cleansing and detoxification, uh, vaccine education, uh, and uh, much, much more, and growing every single day. So check us out. You're going to want to go to energetichealthinstitute.org and get our free copy of the Art of Eating Healthy. All you got to do is sign up for it right there on the homepage, and we will send you a free copy of it right away so you can get started. With taking control of your health. We'll be right back with more energetic health radio right after these messages. Hello, I'm Ben Marble, MD, and I founded MyFreeDoctor.com as a donation supported faith based nonprofit with a mission to save lives by delivering free doctor visits to patients in all 50 states of America. MyFreeDoctor.com treats a broad range of health concerns like COVID-19, long COVID, sinus infections, urinary tract infections, rashes, medication refills, and more. So please visit MyFreeDoctor.com where we're healing America one person at a time. Here on America Out Loud, we emphasize optimal health and air is the most essential element for life. The average person inhales over 35 pounds of air every day all right well welcome back to energetic health radio oh folks okay sometimes we just need to get back to basics get back to the fundamentals remember what's going on okay so we talked in the last segment and i and i'm gonna go over this a few times because i think it's important for us to remember some basic fundamentals first thing we want to know when we're practicing what are we treating right If I get a diagnosis that I can start figuring some stuff out, no matter what the decisions are made, I need a little bit, just a little bit, (laughs) just a little bit of direction. And that's what a diagnosis is. So we need to do some testing. So in the last segment, we said, point blank, what do you need? We got to make sure and check for viral load. We're not using PCR, right? We have to make sure and check for D-dimer. We want to check for MTHFR just to know what's going on? Is this person at risk for an adverse event if they were to get the shots? Because remember, we're saying long COVID should really be relegated for evaluation in people who are unvaccinated. By unvaccinated, I mean never gotten any of the gene modification shots. Okay. So then you take that next step and you go, well, remember why? Why? Because a person who's gotten the shots can be producing spike protein by themselves. So we want to make sure we are doing is not calling something that is really an adverse event from the shots, from the gene modification shots, long COVID, because that would be inaccurate. Be like, well, that's not really what's going on. Long COVID is supposed to be for people who are having trouble getting over the actual infection, not an adverse event. You see what I'm saying? So we have to make that distinguishment. So we go D-dimer, we go um, MTHFR, right? We go viral load testing basics. This, These are things we should have been doing for everything from day one. Then we get into things like, I want to make sure it's not adrenal fatigue or adrenal fidi, uh, fatigue isn't indicated or a part of this process. So we get into you know, AM cortisol, we get into thyroid as well. We want to make sure we don't have a thyroid because remember what some of the symptoms are, fatigue, intense fatigue. So I want to know what I'm dealing with, with all this and what's playing a role. Is it possible to have long COVID and a thyroid issue? Of course. So what happens when we get the thyroid issue resolved? Does the long COVID start to improve? Does it go away, right? You see what I'm saying? Like we have to really take this and get back to basics. Well, one of the big basics that I've been saying for a long time is that when we're dealing with long COVID, it is a sign of severe nutrient deficiency, Whenever we're talking about any kind of disease process, infectious disease process, that a person's having a trouble resolving, you know, a person gets sick and they're just sick for an extraordinarily long period of time and it is definitively just because of an infection, that means their body's having trouble getting over that infection. So let's not complicate this. The first thing we need to cover is the basics. Does this person have all of the key nutrients they need to support their immune system, to support their immune system doing a fantastic job at relieving and getting rid of the infection and the remnants of the infection and healing up from the damage the infection may have caused. Well, fortunately, we know what those nutrients are. Those nutrients are vitamin A, vitamin C, vitamin E. How do we remember them? Funny little acronym, ACE, A-C-E. And then especially vitamin D. So remember, when you're getting tested, what do we check for always now? It doesn't matter what's going on. I want to know this number. I don't care what somebody's coming in to work with me on as a patient. I want to know this number. What is your vitamin D level? Is your vitamin D level 50 nanograms per milliliter or higher? Because that's where it needs to be if we're going to get into an optimal healing experience. If we're going to use things like uh, EE systems and some of these new technologies, these new advanced frequency ways of healing. Well, we still want those to maximize, right? Well, you still need nutrients. There's no scenario where nutrients aren't the key foundation for every healing process, okay? So we got that understood. Look, if a person is having a difficult time getting over an infection, that is a sure sign of nutrient deficiency. I teach my students one thing, I teach them more than one thing, but I teach them one thing. And that one thing is when a person comes into work with you, you know one thing about them. You know that they are nutrient deficient. They wouldn't be there otherwise. And here's the kicker. The CDC has known this. So I want to bring this back. I've been talking about this for two years. I've been talking about this since March of 2020. I've been talking about this, this fact. The CDC does nutrient surveys, nutrient surveys to determine what is the current nutrient status of Americans? Are we at a good place nutritionally or are we nutritionally deficient? Well, here's the deal Americans, by and large, are nutrient deficient. Surprise! the CDC runs these studies they're called enhanced studies and they've been doing them for years they do them every couple of years the last one i've seen is from 2016 so this is relatively recent especially relative to you know covid it's within a, a it was within a 5 year span and trust me it's just been getting worse every time they do it so it's not like the CDC is getting billions upon billions of dollars of US American taxpayer money to deal with this issue, to test for the issue, hopefully so that when you test for it and you see that there's an issue, you want to deal with it. You want to fix it, right? Well, they haven't done anything to fix this, but this is what they've known. As of 2016, catch this out. Remember what I said, vitamins A, C, E, ACE, and vitamin D, right? Let's look at this. Now, the NHANES studies, when we're talking about nutrients for the immune system, ACE, vitamin D and also zinc. Well, zinc is a mineral. Zinc in the NHANE studies, 11 to 15% of Americans were deficient in zinc. Okay. It doesn't sound too bad, right? But then you get into the vitamins and the vitamins are key because the vitamins are going to determine whether or not immune cells replicate, whether or not immune cells are effective at killing the infection, whether or not immune cells are effective at healing up from the damage the infection recalls. See, these, these, these are all nutrient dependent experiences in the body. Your body needs nutrients. If the body doesn't have nutrients, now it can't do what it's trying to do, heal the body up, rid itself of the infection. So when we look at vitamin A, the CDC knew, 35 to 45% of Americans are deficient in vitamin A. Vitamin C, the CDC knew, 37 to 46% of Americans were deficient in vitamin C. This is again, as of 2016, it's only gotten worse. Vitamin E. The CDC knew 60 to 84% of Americans were deficient in vitamin E. The CDC knew when we look at vitamin D The CDC knew 65 to 95% of Americans are deficient in vitamin D. That's as of 2016. It's only gotten worse, especially with the lockdowns and stay inside. And here's the thing about all of these nutrients, all these evaluations, what percentage of Americans are deficient, right? It's for the bare minimum amount of nutrients. It's not for the amount of nutrients, the higher threshold, right? The therapeutic dosing of nutrients, the amount of a nutrient needed to create a therapeutic effect. This is just basic, low-level, bare minimum maintenance. So it is appalling. It is willful misconduct. It is criminal for the CDC to take American taxpayer money test for this, know that 65 to 95% of Americans are deficient in vitamin D. And from 2016 to 2020, do nothing about it. No education, not not spending any of our money on educating the population, not supporting and saying to, you know, the active administrations in the White House saying, hey, we need to issue some guidance on vitamin D, give us a little bit more money, maybe even consider giving your citizens access through their own use of taxpayer dollars to vitamin D they keep saying you can get a free shot how about you get a free shot of vitamin D i've argued with state epidemiologists heads of heads of states i've been in expert forums and expert testimonies i've shown the over 100 plus studies showing the incredible efficacy of vitamin D. One of my favorite studies, folks, on vitamin D as it pertains to COVID, they showed that with over 200,000 people tested, people who had a vitamin D level of 50 nanograms per milliliter or higher, 99.9% recovered. It didn't matter their age. It didn't matter pre-existing conditions. It didn't matter their cultural heritage. It didn't matter where they lived. None of it mattered. If the vitamin D level in the blood was 50 nanograms per milliliter or higher, it was a 99.9% recovery rate in over 200,000 people. I think it was like 278,000 people were tested. That's phenomenal. Do you know how many of those people had to go to a hospital, had to be hospitalized at all? 2.7%. And yet we can't get the CDC from March, 2020, issuing guidance nationwide saying, make sure you test every person for vitamin D levels if they have to be hospitalized. Make sure if they're Vitamin D levels are below 50 nanograms per milliliter that you get them supplemental vitamin D. Give them a loading dose of 50,000 IUs for four days and then 10,000 IUs a day until they're out of the hospital. And then give them a 10 day or 20 or 20 day or 30 day prophylaxis of additional 5,000 IUs of vitamin D. Super simple. And here's what I keep telling people. When we look at Varist, vaccine adverse events reporting system, what do we see? New experimental gene modification therapy, excuse me, look at, I got to slap myself. Shots, gene modification shots, it's not therapeutic. 1.3 to 1.4 million injured at least. Over 160,000 people hospitalized after getting the shots. Over over 30,000 people dead after getting the shots, many within 48 hours of getting the shots. Compare that safety profile with vitamin D. Billions upon billions of administrations of vitamin D. Zero injuries, zero deaths. You tell me which one is safer. You tell me which one's more effective. Do you understand where I'm getting at? The CDC knew and did nothing. Dr. Cheng in Wuhan, in the epicenter, used intravenous vitamin C, which costs about $27 per day per administration, okay, for people who are hospitalized. 50 out of 50 critically ill, severe infection patients recovered, and recovered on average three days faster than their control group counterparts that didn't get the vitamin C intravenously. What does this start telling us? This starts telling us that the people who are having the worst experiences, the worst encounters with this bioweapon, are the people who are already severely nutrient deficient. If you don't address that root foundational deficit, then these people are gonna be stuck in a washing machine spin cycle of getting sick, getting a little bit better, getting sick, getting a little better, relapse, remit, relapse, remit. Because we're not addressing the fundamental problem while everybody's freaking out about long COVID. The fundamental problem of long COVID is simple, nutrient deficiency, severe nutrient deficiency. So what do we need to do? Step one, make sure we properly assess for it with the limited tools that we have. How do we assess for it? Make sure we are only assessing for it in people who have not ever gotten a shot because people who've gotten the shot could be producing a spike protein and then we could mislabel long COVID. Something is long COVID when it was really just an adverse event, a prolonged long-term adverse event from the shots. Can't do that right? Can't make that confusing little muddied water. Number two, understand that there is a incredible likelihood of microclotting going on. We're going to talk about that in the last segment. Number three, and here's a good one. Consider them nutrient deficient until proven otherwise and start addressing the basic immunological nutrient deficiencies, vitamin A, C, E, vitamin D, and zinc as a mineral. Get those things taken care of. Then after you've done all that, now let's take the next step right after the break. So stay with us. I got some very key, very, very key nutrients, supplements I want you to be aware of because these are things that I'm gonna recommend you consider talk with somebody about who knows nutrition in addition to the immunological nutrients that the CDC knew were deficient in Americans and did nothing. We'll be right back with more Energetic Health Radio right after these messages. Let the silent voices be heard. It was the rallying call that started it all. It's a wide spectrum of programming, from world and political news to societal and cultural stories, six amazing years of news blogs, informative podcasts, and great talk radio. Welcome to the new era in communications, America Out Loud Talk Radio. All right, you've all heard Malcolm and the great doctor Peter McCullough talk about the pulvinate iodine-based nasal spray Kofix RX. They talk about it because it's a product that actually works in combating colds, flus, and coronaviruses. Kofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. It's simple: by attacking viruses where they incubate, you make it easier for your body to heal. Check out the Kofix RX banner ad on AmericaOutLoud.com and save twenty percent. By using promo code out loud all right. well, welcome back. and let's let's take this next step, right? We talked about vitamin a, c, e, and D vitamins. We talked about mineral zinc, right? We talked about how the CDC, knew and did nothing about the deficiencies. So when you're deficient in these key immunological nutrients, now your immune system can't perform, guess what that does? It makes you more susceptible. See, just because you get exposed to something, and a virus or a bacteria or something that we can consider to cause infectious disease, doesn't mean that you get infected. You only get infected if you're susceptible. Let me give you an example. If you have somebody sneeze on you, I know that's kind of disgusting, right? And they release some viral particles. Let's just say there's some virus that got released. It gets even and you breathe it in. It gets into your body. It's not an infection until that virus gets into your cells, till it penetrates the cell wall and gets into the cell. And then starts replicating itself that's when it becomes an infection that's why i've been telling people for years anything that's a vaccine you have to consider an artificial infection to in the body because the body considers it an infection anything that's mrna that's an artificial infection according to the the body and how the body would look at it how the cell would look at it so now what we have to do is we have to make sure that we get this full picture, this understanding. So what am I, when I'm taking these nutrients, what am I really doing? I'm making my body less susceptible to infection by strengthening my immune system. I'm doing what is called immune priming. I'm getting my immune system ready for action. And there's some additional nutrients that we can consider. This is something I've been using in my protocols for working with people with the infection successfully. Every single person I've worked with, 100% success rate, when we do simple things, we follow the basics, we get people who are nutrient deficient, especially severely nutrient deficient, shored up. So in addition to the immunological nutrients, there are things like quercetin. This is Dr. Zelenko, right? Great Dr. Zelenko. This is quercetin, quercetin or green tea, which are going to be zinc ionophores and help push the zinc into the cell, so the zinc can be used for enzyme production, enzymes that are going to be used to, uh, to promote antiviral activity within the cell, right? Because your cell inside of the cell wall has a bunch of additional immune features for itself. It's like your immune cells actually have an immunity within themselves as well that helps prevent infection. You go to the work of Dr. Sabine Hazen, And she talks about bifidobacterium as a probiotic and how important it is. We look at some of the research out there on glutathione and COVID. Beautiful, right? Beautiful, beautiful stuff. Glutathione, a very incredible antioxidant. And then we have other things that work. Hey, folks, let's not ever forget about garlic. If you want to turn garlic into a remedy for anything, super simple. Get some garlic cloves, organic, of course, because we want them to be very potent. Organic garlic cloves, right? Press them. All you have to do is press them. And then after you press them, let them sit. Let that pressed garlic sit for about 15 minutes. And what happens are the medicinal compounds known as allicin gets formed. And the medicinal compounds that wipe out all kinds of infections, it doesn't matter whether virus, bacteria, whatever, it's just caustic to all of it. Now all you have to do is after it sits for 15 minutes to gain full potency, put it on your tongue, take a little juice and swallow it like a a pill. And now you just put a bunch of garlic in you. I love when I, if I ever feel like I'm coming down with something, three or four cloves of garlic for a day or two, boom, gone. It's gone. That's how simple it is. In addition to the nutrients That I take. But why is garlic so effective? Because I'm using it in concert with the nutrients. I'm not choosing just one thing over another. Oh, I'm just going to do vitamin D. Oh, I'm just going to do vitamin C. Oh, I'm just going to do garlic. Hey, here's an idea. Why not put them all together and let them be synergistic? Let them work together. Let them create healing resonance where they build off of each other in a super positive way. And then, of course, once you've selected all these cool things, what's the next thing that we want to consider? Next question always becomes how much, right? Well, I'm going to put a link in the podcast. We can go to the, you can go, and if you're on site, go to beyondthecon.com. That's beyondthecon.com. You'll see under resources that we have a page on immune priming. And we list all these amounts out there. And again, these are recommended amounts. These are for educational purposes only. Make sure you discuss anything that you do with a qualified medical professional who has a background in nutrition. Just because a person wears a white coat doesn't mean they have a background in nutrition. In fact, the vast majority, over 99%, do not. So they are not qualified to talk about nutrition. Why do I say that? Because when you go to the National Academy of Sciences and you look at their assessment of you know, allopathic curricula and how much nutrition these white coats are actually taught, it's on average the last time it was performed, I believe this was in 2018, might've been 2016 as well. I forget the exact year, but on average, the um, average white coat gets 19.6 hours of nutritional education in their curricula. Folks, that is essentially a weekend workshop. A doctor that has to study for six years before they can call themselves a doctor gets essentially a weekend workshop on nutrition. Are you kidding me? Let thy medicine be food and food be thy medicine. And how much nutrition education do they get? A weekend workshop. But these are the people that you're going to go to and ask them questions about nutrition. And of course, because most of them are so immersed in their own self-importance and ego, they can't say something that's very powerful. I don't know. They can't say something that's very powerful and shows integrity. You know, I just never studied nutrition. I don't know anything about it. I think you should go to somebody who's actually studied nutrition and ask them some of these questions. No, what do they usually do? You talk to them about vitamin C or vitamin D. Oh, there's no evidence that's support that. Really? Because you've read all of the peer-reviewed studies on it because there's now technically, I think, over 150 studies peer-reviewed specific for vitamin D and COVID. And you've read all of those, right? You've read everything on vitamin C. You've tried it in your practice several times at therapeutic levels, and it just didn't work for you. You know every damn thing, right? I get so tired of white coats with this mentality, this ego, self-important you know, I get to play God mentality, get out of my face with that, especially because you didn't do the most basic thing that you took an oath to do for your patients. Question the safety of new products before you recommend them to people. You didn't even consider their necessity. Any, any, any doctor, any white coat out there that has recommended or administered any of these experimental shots for anyone under 16 65, I'm going to say this under 65 is in violation of malpractice. Why? Because they weren't ever indicated for anybody under 65. There was no necessity and you didn't challenge and you didn't demand the data and you didn't demand a full, thorough, transparent look into the work that was being done. And then when somebody like Brooke Jackson who was actually involved in the clinical trials and trying to blow the whistle to the FDA, saying there is some messed up stuff here and there is some fraud going on. You didn't give it any credence. Instead, you just went along blindly like a sheep, an egotistical sheep, and you didn't have the courage to do your duty and honor your oath. So no, I don't respect you. So now we get to this place where we start going well how much do i need well vitamin d vitamin d3 what we're offering for educational purposes is 10000 ius for 14 days and then you drop down to 5000 ius a day after it vitamin d 200 to 600 ius so you can find, you know, we can we're sharing with you what the therapeutic range is what do you what does it take clinically to do this because a lot of people will choose the right nutrients and then not take enough of it Vitamin C, three thousand to five thousand milligrams. Of course, these are for adults, or I should say, teenagers and adults ages thirteen and up. Recommended, educational purposes. Talk with somebody before you do it. Right? Vitamin A in a beta carotene form, five thousand IU's. These are daily safe ranges, even though they're therapeutic. Zinc in a picolinate form. 30 to 40 milligrams. Quercetin, 500 to 200 milligrams. Probiotic with bifidobacterium. You want a little, at least 1 billion CFUs. That's a colony forming unit. And then you want to get a good, strong multivitamin with at least 100 milligrams of panathenic acid, vitamin B5 in it. And that launches the energy production cascade that's essential for all of this stuff to work. It brings the room together. And now you got your base nutrient shored up, those base nutrients that are likely severely deficient that the CDC's known. And then you do something and you get a little bit more creative and you go, hey, I got something else going on. I got I to gotta get into recovery with this. I might have a D-dimer level that's elevated, suggesting I have microclots going on in my capillary beds. Okay, well, here, let's dilate those capillary beds. We dilate them with a very interesting nutrient, an amino acid called L-arginine. And all it takes is about a thousand milligrams of that a couple times a day. This great product, Cardio Miracle. We'll, we'll put a link in the podcast. So if you want to check out Cardio Miracle, get yourself a discount on it. Yeah, go get it. It's great stuff. John Hewlett's done a wonderful job putting that product together. I, I don't often endorse things, but I'm going to endorse Cardio Miracle. I take it, it works. There you get all this L-arginine plus a whole bunch of extra nutrients in it that all synergize. And the L-arginine is long lasting in Cardio Miracle to help dilate those blood vessels. So now you're going to have better blood flow, but we still got to deal with those clots. We got to break them down. That's where you use a proteolytic enzyme. You take it away from food, right? So it doesn't digest the food. It gets into the bloodstream and it starts breaking down those microclots. That's where serapeptase comes in or bromelain, papain come in. I like serapeptase. Some people use natokinase. These are all great proteolytic enzymes. The key is make sure you take them away from food. Don't take them with food. See, there's all these little nuances. That's why when I say a white coat hasn't studied nutrition, they can't know the nuances. They can't know the amounts. They don't know what they're talking about, but they want to pretend like they do. Stop the charade liposomal glutathione, 250 milligrams two times a day. And then some additional medicinal compounds like turmeric. Turmeric and vitamin E work beautifully to thin the blood out. So now the blood is thinner. It can flow better. L-arginine makes the blood vessel a little bit wider. Now blood flows even better. And then you put in some proteolytic enzymes like serapeptase. And what does it do? It breaks down the blood clot. What are we doing? We're getting rid of long COVID. We're getting rid of the damage created by long COVID, but keep in mind the fundamental basics. We have to make sure if we're dealing with long COVID, it has been diagnosed appropriately and properly to the best of our ability. That means we cannot consider somebody who's gotten even one shot for long COVID evaluation. They have to be evaluated for a long-term adverse event. But the people who haven't got the shot can And how do we make sure it's not an active infection? Simple test, viral load testing, a simple blood test that is EUA approved. Make sure that there's no virus in the blood because if there's virus in blood, it's not long COVID, it's an active infection. I want to tell you, I love you so much and it's an honor to speak to you and to have you listen to anything that I'm saying. I really appreciate it and all the sharing you do of everything, that I, I, all the work I do. I'm so grateful. Check us out at EnergeticHealthInstitute.org. We would love to meet you. We'd love to have you at school. And along the way, may you be blessed. May God shine his divine light down upon us all, everyone we love, and surround us in the protection of his warm embrace. I'm Dr. Henry Ely for Energetic Health Radio and the Energetic Health Institute. Have a beautiful day or evening, wherever you may be. And we'll get back together next time with more Energetic Health Radio. Peace.